Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining today in this week's podcast. This week, we are interviewing Terry Yackley. She is a wonderful communicator, and I was blessed to hear about her through Toastmasters because she believes so strongly in the art of communicating. And she is a dedicated woman, and she is addicted to education and has collected associates of science, a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and a Master of Education. And thank you so, so much, Terry, for meeting with me today. I'm looking forward to hearing about you. I am the mother of six, two boys, two girls, a dog and a cat. Love that. Uh, four, the four humans have all moved out because uh, so I'm an empty nester. Okay. I work for the Fort Hall reservation in the tribal courts, the Shoshone Bannock tribal courts. And my job is awesome. I get to work with people who are getting out of jail and coming back to the community who need some help and who need a kind of a, a scaffold to help get started back in their community. So it's a really wonderful job. And uh, I live in Shelley, Idaho, which is the epitome of potato-ness that you have. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> As a matter of fact, down the street that I live on every September, there is a parade where a gigantic potato comes through. So I really do live in the potato center. Can you explain to me, why is it that you love communication so much? You say that over and over again, that this is something you truly believe in. Why is communication so important to you? Because I recognize how hard it is. My, my goal in life is to be as kind as possible. And kindness doesn't come without some understanding. And the problem with communication in the first place is that it's two-way. Have you ever had someone say to you, you're not listening to me? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I hate that. It's not true. It, it's two-way. Right. If you think I'm not listening, then you're also not giving me the full message. Right. So it has to be two-way. And so that makes it much easier to be kind to people when you know where they're coming from, what they're thinking, and what they need. Wow. And do you have a specific experience where all of this stems from when you first started thinking, wow, I need to either be a better communicator or I need to help others learn about communicating in a more effective way? Well, that's kind of an interesting story. My little sisters spent a lot of time in the crib together mm -hmm. and they developed their own language. And someone had to go to speech therapy with them when they were in kindergarten, first and second grade so that we could share the information. But my mom had another new baby then, so I was elected. And then when I had my own children, my fourth one was on the autism spectrum oh, wow. and he wasn't communicating, but he was too young to communicate for most people. I would say, oh, I'm going to get him tested. I know that there's an issue that we need to work on. And they'd say, he's nine months old. What do you want him to do? And I, you can tell that there's something wrong. So not only had I been trained to try to be a speech therapy person when I was a little girl, right. but then I had the opportunity as a grown-up, and it was so useful. 
to understand and to be able to start it so early. So at 10 and a half months, he was in his speech therapy. What tactics were used in that situation? Well, communication isn't just speaking and hearing. Mm. Communication is also when your little kid puts its arms up like this, what does it want? It <laughs> wants you to pick them up, yeah. right? And if they do manage to point to something like a cookie, does the kid want the cookie? Sure, right. At the time, he didn't know how to point and he couldn't fathom the idea of communication. Um, and I taped pictures of all his favorite things onto the refrigerator low enough for him to be able to point. And I taught him that when I didn't know what he wanted and he was sure I didn't know what he wanted because he was throwing a tantrum, I would have him take me over to the refrigerator, point to the one that he wanted. Wow. Yay. What is so amazing is that in his senior year in high school, he won student class president. How do you do that? You have to give speeches. You have to express yourself. And here, yes, but that is amazing. And I, I know it's because we got the speech therapy started as a baby. So can you explain a little bit about how you came to find Toastmasters and how you've grown through that process? I have a dream. I still have this dream Good. that when I grow up, I'm going to get to be a teacher at a university or a college. I went for a job interview for one of the teaching positions at our local school in Idaho Falls. Oh, wow. And there was, I made the, to the top two. Well, if you've ever had a job interview for teaching, particularly at a college, that last interview is with a room full of people who are all staff and faculty. And you have to teach them your course, one period of it, you know? That's your oh my, final. That's so intimidating. Oh my word. It is. And I did not do well. Oh, I doubt so that very much. <laughs> I did come in second out of two, but <laughs> the dean in charge of students, um, his name is Scott, he pulled me aside and he said, Terry, you would have gotten that job if you had been in Toastmasters. And we have a Toastmasters meeting this Friday at noon. Will you go with me? And I said, sure. What Toastmasters taught me more than being able to talk to you. I was always able to talk. Right. What it taught me was that I was equal with the people in the room with all of those intimidating teachers mm -hmm. and all of the administrators in their suits and ties, I had a really hard time feeling like I was equal. Right. And Toastmasters gave me the opportunity to learn that I was equal. What is a tip or a piece of advice that you would give to someone that maybe hasn't maybe blossomed into the talker that maybe they hope to become? What would you say to them so that they can kind of reach out of their comfort zone. When you want to communicate, you need to look at them. You need to feel the energy off of them. I believe that that's one of the big problems with the Facebook era that we're in or the Zoom right. era from the pandemic. That ability to listen and not judge. 
you don't know where they've been or what childhood they had or what they had heard. One dear, sweet girl giving a speech gave it about how she was eight years old and heard a murder in the next room. Oh now, if you are an eight-year-old who heard a murder, do you think that you might have a hard time in life? You would be affected. You would be affected by that. Oh, absolutely. And so, with if you don't have this really unjudgmental, accepting, believing attitude in the first place, right. how are you ever going to communicate with that girl? You can tell her a hundred times, just stop just stop drinking. It's not a problem. Go to AA. You'll be fine. Stop drinking. But until she fixes the problem that started when she was eight years old of her feeling so inadequate to be able to help somebody that she wanted to help, there's nothing that you can say that you could communicate to her that's going to help. Right. However, once she communicates that to you and you get to put that into your own toolbox of understanding of human beings, then you're going to be better at the next one. Absolutely. And the next person who has trouble, you're going to be able to listen to better. Absolutely. And something that came to mind while you were saying that is the difference between empathy and sympathy of trying to oh, yeah. connect with another individual, but not really having that same experience. Can you kind of dive into your experiences of working with these individuals and having empathy versus sympathy, or if you have been able to experience any of those things, what that's been like for you? Well, it's a very unique situation because um, I do not have the same cultural background as many of the people I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And so I am very particular not to sympathize not to I I don't want to come across like I can make everything better just help just come to me I'll help you I'll make you all better life will be great yeah fix people. it's it doesn't work that way I say a lot of times there but for the grace of God go I I don't know who said that quote in the first place but whoever said it was right because if something like that had happened to the wonderful girl if that happened to me when I was eight, I would be a different person. Absolutely. And so I always try to remember that, that that's the most important thing is to empathize. You need to put yourself in their position. And even though I work with adults, I really am working with the children that they were. That's what I care about, the children that they were. The inner child. I mean, we are all still children at heart and we have our inner child that we have to take care of. We have to love and we have to talk and communicate kindly with. I think that's something that we completely forget about as adults to treat our inner child as kind as we would treat another. That is the one place where you got me. I, it took me to be about 58 years old before I figured out that I had to treat my inner child nicely too. Right. And because nothing I did was good enough in my estimation. And I had forgotten who I was when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, that, that's what communication's about. It's not just about learning who the other person is, but when you learn to accept who they are, right. then all of a sudden you can accept who you are. Absolutely. And, and I'm kind of weird. So 
<laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And what is your, what would you say would be your biggest takeaway through working with the people that you work with at your job? It, I have to work at being open to a wide range of lifestyles. Now, can you tell me, Terry, can you tell me what a day uh, in the life of your work looks like from the moment you get there to the moment you leave? What does work look like for you? Well, that, that's kind of seasonal mm -hmm. in that I also write grants to keep funding this kind of work. And then I case manage Mm -hmm. um, several people. So I've got some clients that I'm their case manager and I take them to go get clothing if they need clothing or, or whatever their needs are. Uh, you can't go for a job interview if you don't have appropriate clothing. So I do those kinds of things, but most of the time I'm on the computer trying to write the stories that I hear without giving any personal information, mm -hmm. making it open enough so that it will touch the hearts of the people who give the grants. And then I also do a ton of research. Terry, I would love just quickly for you to explain what is the main takeaway that you would have the listeners on this podcast take away from what you have shared? What is the one thing that you would like to say to the world? Be kind and don't judge. The two things have to go together. You can't be kind until you stop judging mm -hmm. and you can't judge them. You can't be kind and not judge until you have communicated with people because you have to step into what their life has been like in order to be able to make those jumps. And so really all of communication is wrapped up in being kind and listening and that. Absolutely. And that's, that's the core of who you are. And I can feel that. And, and I appreciate you for, for sharing this, Terry, and sharing your story. And everyone, I hope that Terry Yackley has made an impact on you and that you will be able to act and listen actively, but also make sure that you are aware that you aren't judging others as well. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. And thank you, Terry, for coming to speak with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure.